The following podcast contains swear words, swear words mostly uttered by my co-host, Jonathan Weiler. Shame on you, Jonathan. Welcome back to another episode of Agony of Defeat, a podcast about sports, politics, and history. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Uh, My name is Matt Andrews. I'm a professor in the Department of History at UNC Chapel Hill. And I'm Jonathan Weiler. I'm a professor in the Curriculum and Global Studies at UNC Chapel Hill. And Jonathan and I, we, we... are lifelong sports fans um, interested in history and, and politics. Um, we both teach about sports at UNC Chapel Hill. And we've been moved to, I guess, Jonathan, this is an, an emergency podcast. Is that what they call it in the business? Yeah, yeah. So Bill Simmons has nothing on us. No, he doesn't actually. Yeah. I like to think we're in a different category entirely. From Bill, Bill Simmons. Sure. Yes. Certainly a different income category, I know that. Um, <laughs> but uh, we were uh, just so moved and distraught and confused, I guess, maybe in, in, in some ways about the, the, the recent actions from NBA players and other professional athletes. Uh, we wanted to come in and, I, I don't know, I guess just express our thoughts and, and figure out what it is we think and feel about these things. Jonathan, can you put us you know, in time, um, what's been happening the the last couple of days? Yeah. So we're, we're recording this on uh, Thursday, August 27th. And, um, four days ago on Sunday, uh, Jacob Blake, a black man, uh, was shot in the back seven times by a police officer in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And protests have raged in Kenosha in the last four days. And historically, NBA players decided yesterday, beginning with the Milwaukee Bucks, of course, from uh, the home state, Wisconsin, they were scheduled to have a playoff game with the Orlando Magic, and they decided before the game not to play yesterday. And so they never took the floor The Magic, their opponent, did take the floor, but then sort of recognizing the situation, actually refused to accept the forfeit that could have followed from the Bucks' decision. They, too, walked off the court. And there were two more scheduled playoff games last night, uh, and both those games were postponed because players on those teams uh, decided that they also we're not going to play in solidarity with the decision that the Bucks had made uh, and just the larger fury, really, at this latest police shooting of a, of a black man, not armed, in the back, standing right outside a car in which three of his kids were inside. Um, and this has felt like another another uh, tipping point kind of shooting, you know, in the wake of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and some of the other shootings that we've we've been dealing with. Uh, yeah. I, I, we collectively 
you know, as, as a white male, I, I don't deal with them in the same way. Right. Black America has been having to, to deal with it much more explicitly, obviously, yeah. than, than you yeah. and I have. And Jonathan, and this is just cascaded. I mean, so the NBA games today have been canceled. Uh, Major League Soccer games were canceled yesterday. The Brewers and the Reds and the Dodgers and the Giants and Major League Baseball, they refuse to play. Um, tennis players, I mean, all sorts of athletes. The, the WNBA canceled all their games yesterday. And the WNBA. And the, I just want to make sure we, we say this at least once because, boy, even as people who talk about race and sports and gender, sometimes we forget to talk about the WNBA. This is the rare instance in which the WNBA players did not go first because they are yes, always right. going first with these issues. That's right. But they only came in second by about, you know, 45 minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they were going to do it as well. And those T-shirts that they wore yesterday with those seven bloody gunshots uh, on their backs, I just thought was a, was a powerful visual statement by the WNBA players who are so tapped in to the injustices in American society. And, and just a, a quick follow-up on that, Matt. There's so much we could say about that. We, we don't have a ton of time today. But, you know, just just as a, for example, Maya Moore, yeah. one of the highest-profile players in the WNBA, one of the greatest collegiate players of all time, part of the UConn dynasty, has not played for two years now. Right. Because she took time off to work full-time to try to free a man, Jonathan Irons, who had been in prison, I think, for attempted murder since the late 90s. There's a family connection, and she worked. That's what she spent her time doing the last two years. That's right. So we're talking about what people are, some people are calling it a boycott. Some people are calling it a strike. Um, I suppose it's a strike because labor is being withheld. She's basically gone on strike the last two years and just said, basketball is not important. There are way more important things out there. And and by the way, Jonathan Irons, after 20 plus years in jail, was freed on July 1st. And there's no question that her high profile activism played a critical role in that. No question. So worth mentioning. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the questions that I was getting a lot from from students, students who have taken my my courses on on sports and politics, particularly my course on race and basketball, is have we ever seen anything like this before? And I mean, really, the answer is no, right? We, we, we've just never seen an entire team, teams, almost an entire league, and it, the players, right? This is not the commissioner of the NFL in the wake of John F. Kennedy being assassinated or September 11th saying we will or will not play. This is coming from the players. Or, or games like, lost due to a strike for over economic issues. That's right. These are the, as far as we know, these are the first games and major professional sports in the United States that were canceled. Canceled because of players' actions related to, I, I was going to say, you know, politics, but this isn't even really right. politics. A racial right? injustice, racism, um, yeah. racial violence. Yeah. And there, there are... Um, there are precedents to this to an extent, um, and there's someone that I like to talk about in, in my basketball course is the great Laker um, forward, Elgin Baylor. And Elgin Baylor, who grew up on the segregated courts of Washington, D.C., Elgin Baylor in 1959, and this is kind of take people back to a time when, when the NBA needed to, uh, not a lot of people went to NBA games, and they had to figure out where the fan's going to be. 
And the, the Lakers scheduled a game in West Virginia because there was a white star on the Lakers, Hot Rod Hundley, who had played college ball there. And Elgin Baylor was refused dining service in West Virginia. He was refused uh, lodging accommodations. He was told he couldn't stay with his white teammates in, in West Virginia. And Elgin Baylor said, I'm not playing for the Lakers in West Virginia then. And his teammates tried to talk him out of it. And Elgin Baylor said, no, for issues that have to do with race and, and, and racism, I am not doing this. I mean, so this is an echo, I think, what, what, what we're seeing now, obviously, of that stance taken. What is that now? I mean, 63 uh, years uh, over, ago. Over, over 60 years yeah, ago, Yeah, right? 63 years ago. Um, yeah. And uh, Bill Russell and the Celtics, uh, black players on the Celtics. And th this is a story that I was less familiar with, but I'm becoming a, acquainted with it now. Black players on the Celtics and black players on the St. Louis Hawks. Yet, once again, it was an NBA game in Lexington, Kentucky, because there were a lot of Kentucky alums on the Hawks. And Bill Russell was poorly treated. Uh, the black players were poorly treated there. And Bill Russell said, it's becoming very clear to me that we are seen as, only as entertainers and not as human beings. And I will not be, be representing the Boston Celtics on, on the court this day. Something that his owner fully supported, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, I, I think of 1991. And, uh, you know, we're, sorry, we just jump right to the history. I guess it's the historian in me who just wants <laughs> to talk about the past first. I think about 1991 after the Rodney King video came out and the finals that year, it was the Chicago Bulls and the Los Angeles Lakers. And it was Craig Hodges, the, the deeply political uh, shooting guard for the Chicago Bulls, who tried to organize a boycott of the NBA finals. Um, you know, he was in the city, Chicago, that had terrible racial poverty. They were playing a team from Los Angeles where Rodney King had been beaten by, by, by white police officers. I mean, think about what a radical moment that would have been in 1991 had he convinced other players that we need to strike, we need to not play this game. I, as he tells the story, Michael Jordan said, no, I don't want to do that, that's crazy. He said Magic Johnson was a little more receptive but thought it was too extreme. But that was a moment almost like the moment we're living through right now. Well, well, Matt, that, that brings up, I think, an important point, just thinking about leadership, because Hodges was really on his own in 1991, and, and the context is completely different now. Um, and one of the ways in which the context is different is, you know, the, 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 the alpha male of the NBA in 2020 is LeBron James, yeah. who, who has certainly in the last several years, I think really since Trayvon Martin's murder in 2012 yeah. and only intensifying in recent years has become very vocal about his politics, particularly around these issues. And so, you know, you're, you're not on your own anymore. If you have the, I mean, apparently it was George Hill, the point guard for the Milwaukee Bucks who sort of spoke to the team before the game yesterday. And I think he's been quoted as saying that he's actually ashamed that he ever came to the bubble. Right. That under the circumstances, this is not what they should be doing. And I'm not, I really don't feel like it's my place to say either way. I'm just sharing what he himself right. shared. But, you know, the fact that, I mean, Hill is not a lone wolf in this. Right. You know, in a way that Craig Hodges was, 30 years ago. And so that, that's a huge difference uh, 
in, in the context of the present moment. Well, and because of the, the murder of George Floyd and the, the, the sort of national reckoning with, with, with uh, p- partial reckoning, obviously, with racism in the United States this summer, you know, the NBA, they're, they're in, their, in their bubble. And it, it, it had to be difficult for some of those guys to accept the idea that they are going, I mean, if you think of the optics, they're going into this bubble in Disney World. I mean, it's just this sort of fantasy environment yes. where like COVID yeah. doesn't exist and where the, uh, the seething racial anger, you know, is, is sort of not allowed in. And they're playing on these courts to say Black Lives Matter. And there are all these phrases on their jerseys. And now here they are. And they're realizing it, it didn't mean a damn thing um, because of what just happened in Wisconsin. And I would imagine it would be so difficult as a player, as a, as a, as a, as a black basketball player, to walk back on that court and see those words. And just sort of feel like, and, and I'm not saying they are doing this. But I bet to some of them it feels like capitulation, you know, like they're they're they're, and I don't. It, it, that's not fair. But I I bet to some of them it feels like that, that 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 by playing basketball, I'm giving in at this moment, which they're not. It's complicated, but I it must feel like that. You know, Matt. To to that point, a, a buddy said to me yesterday. He sort of posed a question: Is Adam Silver? you know, in some ways, the ultimate carnival barker. Huh. And, and, here, and here's what he meant. Yes. So to continue your timeline about protest actions, near protest actions, in 2014, Donald Sterling, the former owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, was caught, a, a girlfriend of his taped him, saying these just crudely racist things that was leaked to TMZ, and it created a, an, an uproar. And the players, including players on the Los Angeles Clippers at the time, included Chris Paul, essentially said, and this was when Adam Silver had just become commissioner. Right. And, and the, the players said, essentially, this was right before the start of the 2014 playoffs. Players said, we are going to boycott unless Donald Sterling is divested of his ownership in the team. We are not playing for this motherfucker i guess i just made this episode explicit good but for you yeah we're not playing we're not playing for this motherfucker anymore and adam silver successfully forced got the owners to agree to force sterling to sell the team averting a boycott engendering tremendous goodwill between silver and the playoff and the players which i think has continued yes and my friend's comment i think was I mean, in interesting ways. So Silver, while all while there was all this roiling about protest during the national anthem, Silver got the players to agree not to protest during the national anthem. That's you know, right, he, he is very cleverly, and I'm not saying, I'm actually not, this is not an argument about his sincerity. Right. It really isn't. Yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting to think about how beautifully he has kind of both accepted the player's voice Yes. And funneled it into this very acceptable frame from a business and social and cultural standpoint. And was yesterday the day when the players said, and I think this is to your question, Matt, did the players feel that they were just sort of somehow capitulating yeah. to, a, to a kind of business model? Maybe yesterday was the day that we got an answer to, to that question. I don't know. What, what, what do you think of that? 
Well, I, I, I think it's interesting that we haven't, at least I haven't heard from Silver yet. And, and he must just be, you know, I assume he's in the bubble. I, I don't know where Adam Silver is, but I assume. Yeah, I think he is in the bubble. Okay. Yeah. And so he's yeah. wondering, what are we going to, to do here? Um, I think this is going to be like the Donald Sterling moment. This is a huge moment in his commissionership. And I think what the players are so... It, it, and this gets us to the question of what are the, what are the players doing here? You know, and, 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 and I think it's a fair question. And will this change anything? Did last night do anything? And I'm still trying to figure out what it is. But I, I was so impressed with the statement coming from the Milwaukee Bucks yesterday when, you know, at, at, with all the hubbub and all the media and all the cameras on them. And they said, this is why we're doing this. We are proud to represent the city of Milwaukee. We are going to be trying our hardest as basketball players to represent this city, to represent the state of Wisconsin. And now we need the justice system to 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 to, to live up to that level of, of, of greatness. And they're putting, I mean, they have a very specific demand. It's you need to put this cop away. You need to you need to fire him. You need to put him in prison for 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 what he did. And I think what the players are also saying. And I've heard, I'm not sure if I, I you know, heard so many voices recently, Jonathan. I can't remember if the players explicitly have said this or if I've heard commentators say this. I guess it was Stephen A. Smith, actually, who was saying this um, yesterday. And I don't often agree with what Stephen A. Smith says, but I, I did yesterday. The players are realizing that they can make the owners and the commissioner put pressure on these entities. That's where the, I mean, the players are rich. The players have a lot of money, but they're not as rich as the owners. They're not as rich as silver. They're not as rich as the NBA. And this is the moment where the NBA, I think, is going to have to put up serious political capital and try to lead to not just harmony and hand-holding and racial justice, quote-unquote, but something specific. Pressure is going to have to be brought by silver. So, so Matt, to, to that point, I, I know Howard Bryant, the, the great sports writer, uh, wrote a piece for ESPN overnight, I guess, and, and and he said the players have influence, the owners have political power. There we go. That's it. And so that that is so. It's one thing to leave the court, um, but it's another to translate that action into something sustainable. And, you know, I, I was, you know, Matt, you first brought this up yesterday. You raised this question. We talked about this briefly. Like, where does this, where does this get us? What does this accomplish? Which I think is a question on everybody's mind. But one thing I was thinking about last night anyway was what if it's right now, or at least last night, it wasn't about that? What if it was just about, we just can't take this anymore? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, sorry. Keep going. Then I'm gonna. I'm gonna no, and I, I, I don't have much more to say. But I was just, I was as viscerally as I can. As a friend said to me, as a white person in America, I, 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 and and other people like me, we are inestimably ignorant yeah. of what it's like to walk around as a black person in our society. Every time you get in a car. Every time you walk into a store, every time you're on the street. Um, but but I, I, I had this feeling yesterday 
what if they just can't take the shit right now? Yeah. And, 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 and that is, and as Chris Weber said last night, you know, he said, look, do we need to be articulate about our demands? Of course. Do we need to have a clear plan? Of course. But there's also a moment right now where just w- seeing this happen one more time is just too much to take. You know, I'm glad you mentioned Weber. And, you know, if, if being articulate and forceful and powerful were a sport, you know, there'd be a lot of guys vying for first place right now. There are so many powerful voices out there. What Weber said, I love when he looked at the camera and he said, you know, I dress up for TV, but I dress like a bum in real life, you know, and I, I can kind of imagine how he, how he dresses. And he said, and I get followed. I get followed everywhere I go. I walk into a store and I'm famous and I get followed by security. Um, Kenny Smith, you know, um, just walking off the set yesterday. I, 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 I'm mad as hell and I can't take it anymore. I, I just have to do something. I mean, to your point. And Doc Rivers, um, I think, you know, I, I saw the video of Jacob Blake being shot. I make myself watch these videos and it's so disturbing and it's so hard to watch. And I was angry. I was furious. And then I was able to let it go away because I had to teach my class and I had to walk my dog and, you know, I had to do all the things. But when, so this speaks to why these coaches and players are doing what what they're doing. There's something so powerful, Jonathan, about just seeing another human being in distress. And, And Doc Rivers just in distress the other night talking about that amazing statement about we black Americans, we love this country and this country refuses to love us back. What stands out to me is um, just just watching the Republican convention, uh, convention and this they're spewing this fear, right? Like all you hear Donald Trump and all of them talking about fear, we're the ones getting killed. We're the ones getting shot. Uh, we're the ones that we're denied to live in certain communities. Um, we've been hung, we've been shot, and all you do is keep hearing about fear. It's, it's amazing to me why we keep loving this country and this country does not love us back. These statements, this is what they're accomplishing. When, when you see other human beings in tears, when you see them being angry, when you see them just saying, I, I, I'm just going to, uh, sorry, I'm going on a, on a, not a rant here, but on a sort of stream of consciousness. It makes me think of what Mario Savio said in 1965 during the free speech movement in Berkeley, which was something partly about race, but really just about speech, about being heard. And he said there, there becomes a time when the machine is just so odious, you know, it just makes you so sick at heart that all you feel like you can do is just throw your body on the machine and just say, stop, just even for a minute. And that's what I think those guys in that bubble, this mm-hmm. bubble that had maybe in some ways co-opted them with that message. I, I really don't think of it that way. But I, again, I'm, I'm sure some of them are like thinking of yeah, it this yeah, way. It's just yeah. time to say stop. Yeah. I'm, Matt, I'm just thinking about just the arc of the last few months in the United States 
particularly since the killing of George Floyd. And this, you know, a, a dam has broken where so many black Americans who have been, I don't have a better way to say it, have just, they just have to eat shit yeah. all the time, yeah. are communicating so clearly and forcefully that that is their lot in life. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I'm personally just, I, I'm just finding that very sobering. You know, you, you mentioned Doc Rivers and, you know, for Doc Rivers, for LeBron, uh, for Chris Webber, they can so easily see themselves and their kids in Jacob Blake. Right. And, the, and, and, you know, I'm just thinking about, I'm Jewish. You know, when that guy walked into the Tree of Life synagogue in 2018 and murdered 11 people, I, I felt that differently. It's yeah. just a fact. Yeah. I was horrified by Dylan Roof's murder of nine people in a South Carolina church. I'm horrified by these massacres. The murder of 11 Jews in Pittsburgh two years ago, it just felt different. And I think about that when I think about what these men and women have to experience every time they see another shooting or killing of a black man or a black woman for no good reason. Well, and I think that's what even those of us who have known this for a long time still sometimes forget, and I'm embarrassed to say this, but they are men and women. I mean, LeBron James is a man. Um, Maya Moore is a woman. They are, they are African-American men and women who walk that every single day and have to see that my God, I have to see these videos over and over and over. And Jonathan, just to maybe move this away from, from, from sports, you and I were kind of just shaking our, 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 our fists at the sky right before we started re-recording this. Not just the film of Jacob Blake being shot, but then the films of the last couple of nights where white guys with militia men with, I don't know what, what to call them, terrorists is what a lot of people were calling them, and I agree with that designation, with their assault rifles, walking the street, looking for trouble, and the police, white police officers, thanking them for being there, giving them literally refreshments. Um, it, it is sickening, and it, it, it speaks not just to the racism that's out there, but the serious problem we have with, with the police, um, which is what we we thought it in some weird way, you know, we, we talked about it so much beginning in May, and then, okay, I guess we've had that moment and things have been fixed, but nothing's been fixed. Um, no. and, and I'm wondering, where, where do these athletes go from here? So you just told me that you heard that the season is coming back, that... And by, by the time this is released, I'm sure we will know this, but that the NBA players have voted to, to play. So the, the games of today, Thursday, have been postponed. But the, the reporting I saw just before we started recording is that the players agreed to resume the playoffs. I don't know when. I don't know how much dissension. Yeah. There, the reports have been since last night that there is some dissension in the ranks. For a variety of reasons, but 
that that is what we know as of as of now. Wow, this is uh, quite a moment for the NBA, um, Jonathan. We like to you know, talk about history, and you had asked me about this. The um, just to um, throw in another precedent to this, yeah. you know, the NBA players back in what was it, 1964, the All Star Game, in 1964. 1964. And I, I want to tell this story because so far you're the only one who's been been swearing, and I want to get 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 on, <laughs> on this too. Um, the NBA players, and the, actually the, the head of the NBA Players Association back then was a white player, Tommy Heinsohn. Of the of the Celtics, but you know he was in a locker room with guys like Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain and Elgin Baylor, you know guys who had expressed uh, grievances about about race in the United States many many times be, before that. And the NBA players were um, they wanted a better pension, basically. You know, it was just about economic well being. And I'm not equating a pension to what's going on now, but it, it, it's a moment where the NBA players realize we have leverage and we're right about to go out and play this all-star game. This is a big moment for the NBA. It's going to be televised and the NBA was still on sort of insecure footing right, right then. So it needed to put on a good show. And the players told the owners, we're not going out. You know, this is like an hour before the game. We're not going out unless you do something about our pensions. And there's a famous story where the owner of the Lakers, Bob Short, goes down and knocks on the door. He demands to speak to his player, Elgin Baylor, who I'm sure he feels this sort of, well, ownership over. And uh, Elgin Baylor refuses to open the door. And then so finally, some young man in orderly goes in and tells Elgin Baylor what Bob Short wants. And I've heard this story told many times in many different ways. My favorite version of it is this page comes out and says, um, Mr. Short, Elgin Baylor has told me to tell you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, but it's a, it's a wonderful story. It's a story about athlete empowerment, but it just shows that right then and there, they realize what, that people are paying attention to, to players now. We're, we're, we're talking about this more than we were talking about it when we saw the video. It's working what these guys are doing. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I'm just that just makes me think too, Matt, about and and, go, and it goes back to something you said a few minutes ago about these are men and women; they're not just entertainers. And the degree to which the 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 white gaze, which as a lifelong sports fan, I yeah, uh, I'm guilty of, of course, is we see these people primarily as just there for our benefit and. You know that we we are, they are screaming from the mountaintops right now. That 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 is not good enough. Um, and and look, they will go back to playing basketball again. It's it's not like the NBA is going to cease to exist. Right. But I think e e even if it's in in time, just a moment to insist that people recognize their humanity and the humanity of their brothers and sisters who are being treated this way. Uh, I, I guess if I have any hope in any of this, it, it at least prompts some people to think seriously about, about what that means. I think you're right. I think it prompts some people to think seriously about it. It obviously does not prompt everyone to think seriously about it. We had the 
you know, the just this, if you're flipping channels last night, you have NBA players expressing their frustrations with the state of the nation. And then we have the Republican National Convention going on, you know, uh, a party that has explicitly, its leadership has explicitly lined itself with the shut up and dribble line. Um, and its president, uh, it's sorry, our president, unfortunately, but the leader of the Republican Party, Donald Trump, has called athletes who exercise, you know, free speech and critique this country sons of bitches and told them to get the hell out of this country. Um, they're not changing their minds. No, no. And, and, and I, I happened to see some polling data this morning just about Wisconsin, which of course is a critical battleground state in November as well, that I think in late May, in the days after George Floyd's killing and the first protests, uh, Wisconsinites were, you know, by a large margin supportive of Black Lives Matter. And as of today, it's 50-50. Oh no. So, you know, it, it, it hasn't taken long for that initial support uh, among white Americans specifically to, to fade. Um, as if, okay, well, we sort of put up with that or took that seriously for a few weeks, but how much longer do we really have to listen to this? Can't we just get back to our lives already? Right, right. Well, do you think we have finally moved on to an era at least you know among sports fans like are people now you and i have always been energized by the appearance of politics in sports energized by tommy smith and john carlos i mean not at the time we were a little young uh yeah. but but athletes using their 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 voices colin kaepernick is someone we invoke all the time he's almost a saint um it's muhammad ali muhammad ali obviously have have we entered an era where this keeps sports out of politics that people just aren't going to be saying this anymore is, is that no longer a credible line i i, I well I, th I think two things matt i think one the athletes themselves, many of them anyway, including the biggest stars in American sports, are not going to shut up anymore. Right. And, and, and nobody can make them. Nobody is going to tell LeBron what to say when there's another police shooting, just to take one example. So I, I think that, as far as that's concerned, you know, that ship has sailed. And th this is going to be part of our landscape for the foreseeable future. The other thing I think, and I guess this is what I, I draw the most hope from thinking longer term, is among younger Americans, yeah. younger Americans are so much more open to this. And I think not coincidentally, the NBA's fan base, the NBA is the sport that people under 40 are into. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think the, the NBA obviously is aware of that. I think it makes it, this isn't a bad thing, but it makes it easier for them to embrace a lot of this messaging and symbolism. Yeah. And I think that among that cohort of Americans, they're going to consider this not even something to really like 
debate over the way they're not. If you ask younger Americans, I'm not saying everybody, but generally like my daughter, your daughter, you know, what do you think about gay rights or same sex couples or transgender? <laughs> yeah. They're like, why are we even talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, was there you know, two like, You old people, what, 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 what's the issue here? Yeah. Let's talk about something that matters. Yeah. And so I guess I have some hope that 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 kind of normalization will extend to this realm, especially as time goes on and an older cohort that's more resistant to this, you know, fades from the scene. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's my maybe more hopeful view of change over time as far as this nexus is concerned. Well, Jonathan, maybe that's a good place to stop then. Also, it is a very good place to stop because I have office hours in five minutes on Zoom. <laughs> so I need to get you off the screen so I can talk to my, my students. And I'm sure you're eager to get me off your screen as well. Um, we're going to keep doing this regularly, right? Yes, yes, definitely. There's, there's going to be lots to talk about. Okay. Um, do you want to do that thing you used to do at the end about liking and sharing, or do you do you remember? Sure. That? Yeah. This is the Agony of Defeat podcast. You can find it on SoundCloud, and as the kids like to say nowadays, wherever you get your podcast. I'm not sure that's actually true, but I'm going <laughs> to say it anyway. And it would be great if you could share it and rate it and like it and spread the word to anybody you think would find this worthwhile. And a, uh, a special thanks to our new producer, Ellington Andrews. Uh, she does have the same last name as me. Just because my daughter is our producer doesn't mean that this is a top-notch broad, uh, podcast, <laughs> right, Jonathan? That, that's right. Sometimes that's right. You, you just got to find your labor where, where you can get it. So, yeah. thank, But thank she, you. she, to whatever degree we can be elevated, she will do it. That's great. All right, yes. Jonathan. Okay, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.